Christmas, I think, these days has, has been a wonderful, beautiful holiday. It's one of, certainly, I think, our most anticipated, excited holidays that we have. But I feel like in many ways it's kind of been hijacked by this materialistic culture. We can tend to kind of think of Christmas just in terms of presents and shopping sprees and Black Friday and whatnot. And not to say that that's bad. A lot of these presents that we get are for other people, and that's a beautiful thing. I think sometimes we could forget the mystery of Christmas. What is this big deal that we're celebrating? Why is Jesus' birthday so special? Why does it cause the whole world, at least especially the United States of America, to move on all wheels and fire on all cylinders to buy presents, to celebrate, to rejoice, and to actually go to Mass? It's still one of the few days, Christmas Eve, that where almost everybody comes to Mass. It's a gift. It really is. But what is it that we're exactly celebrating? Why is it that we make such a big deal out of Christmas? And I think the best way to see why Christmas is such a big deal is if we look at it from the outside. If we look at it, dare I say, from the perspective of the pagan Roman world in which Christ came and was born into. If we look at it from the lens that our great, great, great ancestors had Whenever Christ came into that world, into that manger, into that crib, 2,000 years ago. And there are three elements that we can really see from 2,000 years ago. First element, mythology. Mythology. Now, mythology can be embodied, if you will, in the shepherds coming to the scene of Jesus. Because mythology has always been a practice of the peasants. The most basic human beings from the beginning of time have come up with myths, have come up with ideas, have come up with ways to explain the things that are happening around us. Myths capture the human imagination that allow us and allow people to see how perhaps maybe in the midst of all this creation, there could actually be divinity. The very foundation of of creating a myth is based off of that simple premise, that simple premise that holy things can find habitation and that divinity need not distance itself from time and space. That divinity can actually exist right here, right now. That's the beauty of myth. But the problem with mythology that happened back in the pagan times was that mythology had become so so wrapped up in these myths, so wrapped up on these ideas, so wrapped on, up on these concepts of these ideas of myths, these ideas of Pan, these ideas of wood nymphs, the ideas of Zeus, of Saturn, of all these cosmic wild wars happening, that the Roman people had their heads too far up in heaven to where their feet were no longer touching the earth. If you will, their minds were in the sky, And they were no longer existing in the flesh. They totally forgot about life around them. And because of that, whenever we talk about mythology, we are also including discussions about horrible practices that people people came with and and brought to mythology. Things like child sacrifice, things like, like, like awful practices that would happen in the temple with the women there. Things that that ultimately show us that mythology was not the answer to mankind. Mythology, especially Roman mythology, but also 
Hindu mythology, Buddhist mythology, the whole premise of mythology has everything to do with capturing the human imagination and nothing to do with monitoring his behavior. It has everything to do with engaging our minds so that we might see the divine and completely rejecting realistically how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in this life. And that's the beauty of the shepherds. The shepherds recognized that, the, that there was an answer to this myth. That mythology for all of its stories, for all of its imagination, for all of its longing for the divine was at the end of the day just a search. It was a search for the living God. A God that existed in time and space. Amidst all these myths, you cannot point to me a single instance where God actually became man. There is no grave of Brahma. There is no relic of Shiva. You can't show me a strand of Zeus's hair or a fragment of Thor's hammer, even though it was in the Marvel movies. It doesn't exist. These things didn't actually happen. They were just up in the sky, just stories to entertain us. But the shepherds knew. And the shepherds speaking on behalf of the general population of humanity, those peasants, those men on the ground, knew that maybe these dreams could actually come true. Maybe these dreams that God can actually take on time and space and come in to our world. Maybe that actually could happen. And that's the beauty of Christmas on behalf of mythology. Christmas is a dream come true. The fact that our wildest imaginations can take the flesh of a little baby in a manger. What an incredible gift. But there's another element that existed in the, in the Roman world. One that didn't necessarily capture the imagination, but rather one that suppressed it down to the very pit of the earth. And that was the philosophers. The philosophers of the Roman world, guys like Pythagoras, Aristotle, Xerxes, all these men, what they did was they, they supremely rejected this simple premise that the mythologists, the peasants had. The idea that holy things and divinity need not limit themselves from time and space. The idea that you cannot look inside this world and find divinity. Guys, this is not a foreign concept. Many scientists have fallen into this this false idea that God cannot be seen, that God does not exist, that all we need is to look at the things around us and find what we need to find. And sure, in a sense, that might be sane, but it's almost too sane. It rejects the fundamental desire that every single one of us have for adventure, for imagination, for romance, for fire. The problem with pure radical science, the problem with pure philosophy that rejects anything divine is that there's no room in it for miracles. There's no room in it for romance. There's no room in it for poetry. Find a mathematician and ask them to write you a poem And good luck seeing what he comes up with. It probably won't be that good. That's just the reality. If that's all we live for, for mathematics, for science, for biology, completely rejecting the creator of all of these things, then we will find ourselves losing our minds. 
what we will find ourselves doing is taking the heavens and putting it in our heads and in turn losing our minds. Unlike the mythologist who seeks to put his head in heaven. And that these men, these philosophers, though, can be symbolized by the Magi. My friends, what Jesus symbolizes and what Jesus shows us is a unity between mythology, the wildest, greatest dreams of the human mind, uniting with the beautiful reason of humanity, the reason that comes with philosophy, the beautiful truths that you can say that A squared plus B squared equals C squared every single time. The beauty That this logic and this reason is not also without romance and without beauty and without poetry. We listen to Deacon Blake explain and proclaim this first reading in this, this gospel reading in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Guys, the Greek word for word is logos. The things that that philosophy sought Philosophy was all about learning the Logos. And what we find is that the Logos isn't some abstract concept. No, the Logos is a person. And that person became a baby 2,000 years ago in time and space. And we can continue to speak of it. My friends, there's a third element And if we're really honest and we really listen to the words that that child spoke after 30 years of his life, he'll say that he didn't come just for unity. He didn't come to just bring us all together and make nice and just everybody get along and create kind of one giant pot of lukewarmness. No, he came too for division. And you will never, ever see the division between good and evil clearer than in the Christmas story. My friends, Jesus Christ was born in a stable. Now, I've been to Bethlehem. I've seen where he was born. And a stable isn't quite the right word for it. He was born not so much in a stable, but in a cave, in in an underground dwelling, in the heart of the earth. It's not particularly romantic. In fact, it was very, very dirty. And it's amazing Because under that cave, in that cave, Christ, the God man, was in a sense underground, the place where we all basically say that hell was. Whenever we talk about hell, we usually think about going down there. And the beauty is Christ went down there and became man from down there. And in becoming man from down there, what he did was he turned the world upside down so that we could be standing right side up. And what he shows us is that to be like God is to be humble, to be able to empty ourselves, to be able to lower ourselves, unlike the evil Herod. King Herod was a megalomaniac who thought that he could be God, who wanted to be like Caesar, Augustus, Octavian, who believed that he was a God, the savior of the world. And in order to maintain his dominance, In order to say that he was the one on top, he decided to go on a total, utter killing spree days after the birth of Christ. He killed hundreds of firstborn males, all to assert his dominance. 
But because Christ was not born with billboards flashing and saying, hey, guys, the Messiah is here. Woohoo. Because he wasn't born in a palace. Because he wasn't even born in an inn. Because he was born in an unknown cave. Christ subtly and secretly escaped the death that Herod was seeking to impose. My friends, this is the perfect image of evil. Because what evil does is evil stays on the surface. As Herod did on the surface of the world. Seeking after these children. But Christ escaped him because he was not on the surface. Christ was deep within. Christ was in that cave, the place where he least expected it. Guys, allow this Christmas, allow this Christmas for Christ to come into the cave of your heart. Because God does not exist on the surface level of anything. He exists within the depths of humanity, within the the depths of our hearts, within within the depths of our being. And that can be seen in that nativity scene with Christ in that cradle, surrounded by Mary and by Joseph. So, my friends, as we go forth from this church today to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Never forget that in being born in a cave, Christ united two beautiful things, our imaginations and our reason, symbolized in the Magi and the shepherds. But most notably, he showed us that we have no room in our lives for evil, and that if we want to escape it, all we need to do is go to that secret place where God dwells within our hearts. Because ultimately, whenever Christ is born in that cave, He turned the world upside down so that you and I might stand right side up, uniting our imaginations and our reason. My friends, have a very Merry Christmas.